Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Gym Class All-Stars. We here at our wonderful podcast have been treated to, would you say, the best offseason of all time, even better than last year's? Last year was crazy just because of so many stars switching teams. I think it was something like like 50% of the league switched teams. It was ridiculous. Uh, but this year has been about like, it's been about the role players, the, the integral cogs of the team. So I'm going to say yes, because teams haven't dramatically changed this offseason, but the inner workings of them have completely flipped. And that makes for a better offseason in my mind. So maybe not the best of all time, but we're getting it. We're, we're certainly in that direction. While we haven't seen a whole lot of stars move, there has been a lot of signings, a lot of drama and a lot of pick hoarding from OKC. But we came to expect the last one. We might as well start it off with the draft. Want to get into that, Robbie? I do indeed. Um, so here at Gym Class All-Stars, we attempted to project not just the top 10. Uh, I also tried to project the entire first round. And a lot of the players, you know, we had correctly, but in the positions, not so much. So first, second, third was going to be a kind of hot topic of debate for this draft. Nobody quite knew what Minnesota was going to do with that pick and then who they were going to take if they didn't end up moving it. Um, but the order of one, two, three went Anthony Edwards was the number one overall pick, went to Minnesota. They did not trade the pick. There was then talk that Golden State might have traded down in a trade to Chicago. They did not. They stuck with James Wiseman, who uh, I heard was at the top of their draft board the entire time. No matter what pick they had, they were going to take James Wiseman if he was available. And then LaMelo Ball went to Michael Jordan's Hornets at number three. I assume as you know, the attempt to make him the franchise piece. Uh, starts to ramp up but that was one two three that was the order that the top three guys went in I was able to predict that correctly and then literally just one other pick for the rest of the first round but we'll get to that Um, but so those guys uh, I think are all going to fit well in their teams you know Edwards they just need a guy to you know be the physical piece Wiseman they needed a center and ball you know the Hornets just needed to start to start building around so I I like that but the big surprise of the night was number four was the Chicago Bulls Oh, man, did it feel good to live near a bunch of Bulls fans for this. Um, Patrick Williams of Florida State, six foot eight, the only player in college basketball to average an assist, a steal and a block. And that was probably the only positive thing mentioned about him on draft night as he didn't start a single game in his college career. And the Bulls decided that was good enough for the number four overall pick. Body wise, he fits the NBA, but. Can you see why they picked him in any way? They needed a small forward, which, you know, they have Levine. They have the GOAT, Thomas Sadoransky. They have Markkanen. They have Wendell Carter. They have a lot of the that depth at forward. They really just needed a small forward. So he fits that role. My only gripe is I think he would have fell past at least 15, if not later. So if he's really the guy, he's going to be that cornerstone. Okay, fine. Take him while you got the chance, but I really think you could have traded down to get him. And that's kind of why I thought personally that they were going to take uh, good old Danny from good old Israel. I thought they'd take him because he fits that role pretty well. I mean, maybe he's more ball dominant, but I don't know. I'm a little confused with that pick, but we really got to wait and see with that one. Yeah, I'm with you. I had Danny going four. I also could have seen them picking Isaac Okoru, who I believe is the best defensive player in the draft. But alas, they take Patrick Williams, the fourth overall pick. We'll see what he can do. I would assume he's still projected to be the starter. They did just bring back Denzel Valentine for the last year of his contract. But 
other than that, oh, an auto porter, but we'll, you know, say, we'll see. Auto that. Porter, don't they? Yeah, that, that's kind of a mess right there. So it's, it's at least an opportunity for maybe Williams to get his first start in a little while. So we'll, we'll see how that goes for Chicago. Cleveland and Atlanta had the next two picks. They took Isaac Okoro and Onyeka Kongwu. And I wanted to single this out because I believe they're the two biggest winners of this draft based off those two players. Okongwu, I have made very clear, is my favorite player in this draft. I believe he is going to be the best player in this draft unless James Wiseman ascends to superstar level. But Okoru, as I just mentioned, the best defensive player in the draft, exactly what Cleveland needed, a guy that can just hunker down and guard somebody. And in Atlanta, they now have their their modern basketball center, their, their 6'9", hybrid, shot-blocking, rim-running big man. I love both those acquisitions for those teams. I, I think five and six were great picks for those guys also. I think we all kind of knew after top three is when the draft was going to get really exciting. And for me, it happened right away after that. So a uh, big shout out to those guys. Um, Denny, as you mentioned, as a guy that we had going a little early here, fell. He fell he far. Fell. Um, I thought I kept it was going to be a reversal where Okonyu was going to fall deep, but it was <laughs> actually Denny. So Exactly. Um, I kept reading, nobody expected Washington to have Denny available at nine. Not one soul had that happen, except for, you know, the just random possibility boards. But Denny goes to Washington at nine. The only issue I see here is Washington should have gone into the the draft looking for a defensive player, and instead they just got another offensive weapon. Um, You as a Sixers fan, I know you you buy into the take the best player available. Uh, What do you feel about this pick for Washington? Well, they needed a small forward. I mean, we'll get into John Wall in a little bit, but they have Wall, Beal. They re-signed Bertans, which we'll get into as well. They have center depth with Thomas Bryant. That's a good squad. They just really need a small forward. Otto Porter Jr. was not cutting it. So I think that's the right pick for what they had. I also think he could be a bust, but I really think if he is good, this is going to be this turning point where we're going to start saying that Playing professionally overseas is really a lot better than playing in college. And honestly, if it wasn't for Darko Militic, I think we'd be saying that right now with people like Luca. If Lamelo Ball pans out as well, same type of deal. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. That movement might be coming a little sooner than people would expect. Other, So another surprising move that happened right at the end of the top 10 with number 10, uh, Phoenix was on the clock. We knew that they were looking for a piece that could help them compete after the Chris Paul trade that we're going to get into. They took Jalen Smith, who most people had going somewhere around 20. And in fact, the guy that was project- that I projected to go 10 precious would fall all the way to 20. We'll get to that in a moment. But Jalen Smith at 10, it's kind of a stretch, but he's a, you know, he's a, a stretch four. He's got a jump shot. He's long and athletic. I think Phoenix was just like, look, this is the guy we want. We're not getting any trades that we really want to move down with. Let's just take him. Is that the right mindset to have, though? Is it worth just taking a player while you have the pick rather than trying to trade down when they would more likely still be available? It's always a gut call. But at the same time, if you have the chance to take the player that you're really high on, you might as well go for it. And especially in this draft where we really don't know who are going to be hits and who are going to be misses. like We can obviously see who's going to be at least decent. This draft is so iffy, though, with COVID and all that, that sometimes you kind of just got to take a shot in the dark and see what happens. Because everyone's picks were sort of all over the place. So if they didn't pick him, maybe maybe 11 does. And Very true, very true. So a guy who kind of slipped through the cracks, though, different side of the ball here, uh, 
Tyrese Halliburton. I'm not a huge fan because he went to Iowa City, but I do recognize how uh, impressive his game was when he did play a longer point guard. He went to Sacramento at 12. Uh, he'll back up De'Aaron Fox, who, again, we'll talk about in a bit, but just signed a big contract to stay. Why do you think teams passed on Halliburton, uh, especially given you know how highly he was supposed to be picked? Dude, I don't know. I had him slated to the Pistons. I was like, they need a, they're going to probably trade Rose. They need a point guard. And they took uh, Killian Hayes, who same type of deal. You're a player. Maybe he's same thing where he's going to be that star because he's been playing professionally for a good chunk of his life. I don't know. I thought if he didn't get picked by the Pistons, he'd go to the Knicks. I mean, Obi Topin fell to them, which was probably in their case, the better pick Brooklyn guy, box office, room runner, et cetera. So after that, most teams weren't looking for a point guard. I think the Kings, even though they're not looking for a point guard, went with the best pick in the draft, which was him, especially at that point for spacing reasons and depth reasons. I don't necessarily love it, but it's the right pick for them. A hundred percent. Yeah, I'd agree with that. This, this draft had a lot of point guards in it, like a lot of point guard talent. I think 12 through 15, all of those picks were point guards outside of maybe one. So to I, I understand why other teams would maybe try and draft some of the other positions because they're going to be a little more, you know, they, they, they're a little more rare. You're not going to find those players in this draft as much. But when someone like that falls, I, I agree with you. I, I just got hit with the what, what happened. Like who who messed up here? But either way, Hal Burton now in a good, good chance, good young team for him to try and uh, learn, build up some strength. And we'll see how his career goes. Uh, but he'll be backing up Darren Fox for the time being. So... I had two teams with steals of the draft and both of them happen to be our two favorite teams. I'm not just saying that because I love our teams. I am genuinely saying that because at 20 and 21, the Sixers and uh, heat stole the draft. Uh, Number 20 Miami heat drafted precious, precious out of Memphis power forward center. I'm I'm just going to say he looks a lot like bam with a jump shot, but we'll, we'll see how that pans out. And then the Sixers drafted at that point, then at 21, the the best talent the most talented player available in Tyrese Maxey a shooting guard always good to add guard depth out of Kentucky and I'll say this they they brought on John Calipari right afterwards after that draft pick and he said guys th- those nineteen twenty teams ahead of Philadelphia they're going to regret not taking Tyrese Maxey um, and and the reason I bring that up is because John Calipari's job is to recruit young basketball players and he is in my opinion, the best recruiter in college basketball. And that show is based off all the great Kentucky players in basketball. Um, So somebody whose best quality of his extremely prestigious job is picking out young talent. And he is telling me that this is the guy I should be paying attention to. That, that as a Sixers fan would have made me feel really good. That would have been like, Ooh, we might've just gotten somebody that fell a little bit under the radar and could really turn into a good piece. So those two guys Precious and Tyrese, I think, are going to end up being the steals of this draft. I would expect – I'm going to be honest. I expect both of them to be on one of the All-NBA rookie teams this year. Well, the best part about both those picks is 20 and 21. Say both of them are busts. Okay, you blew a late first-round pick. Mm -hmm. That happens every year. Exactly. Precious, I think that's a good pick. I think it will be very useful for your team, especially just with depth from the forward position. Tyrese Maxey, much-needed shooting. People love to hate Kentucky, but a lot of their players pan out pretty well. I mean, 
just just last year, Tyler Arrow. That's exactly. already good. So, and there's there's a million others I can talk about. Devin Booker, AD. About to say NBA champion Anthony Davis is a good one. <laughs> yeah, there's a ton of players. So I'm I'm very happy with that pick. I know you're happy with your pick. Oh yeah. And we're gonna get to a little bit more with the Sixers right about now, a little bit. We're, we're getting there. We're working towards we're it. There. Just a little bit more draft news to get I mean to. Rush. Here. There's oh. a lot, <laughs> guys. There's a lot. Don't you worry. The mega mega episodes in full swing. <laughs> Double mega. Good guy to mention here, RJ Barrett, another top point guard talent that was projected to go in the lottery. Fell. Wait, 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 wait. RJ Hampton. RJ Hampton. Did I say Barrett? Yes. <laughs> no. All right. So RJ Hampton. Played in New Zealand this past season, was projected to go in the lottery, fell, was either 22 or 24 to what was the Bucks, and then would end up being flipped to the Knicks in a trade in, um, I want to say the blood, the, the holiday trade. I don't know about that. I think it was a trade straight up, wasn't it? Might have been a different deal. Irrelevant, but he's on the Nuggets. <laughs> yes, Hampton is heading to the Nuggets to add point guard depth to Monte Morris and the bubble breakout Jamal Murray. Uh, so so great depth there. And honestly, at 20, you know, late 20s, RJ Hampton, a top lottery guy, even if it, he looked a little bit worse through the tapes, like if this guy's been projected in the lottery all year and you have him at, at mid to late 20s, you just got to take the chance, I think. So I like that pick for the Nuggets. They're already a pretty good team. They're going to need to add some more forwards now based off the, the free agency news, but we'll see what they do there. And then the, the last pick I want to talk about. So I mentioned I got four picks exactly right. Numbers one, two, three. And the only other pick I got right was number 29. <laughs> Malachi Flynn to the Toronto Raptors. The reason I say this is because I've, I've been saying that Malachi Flynn was going to the Raptors all year because Malachi Flynn is the next Fred Van Vliet. They, they are so similar. Came from not very well-known schools to be this awesome college point guard. They, they play with such energy. They can shoot the ball. They can move the ball. They're not the best defender but they can handle themselves on that end of the court and so with that draft pick and then we'll get to the Fred Van Fleet contract I love that pick for Toronto I think Malachi Flynn could turn into one of those just dog dudes that works as hard as he possibly can at every moment so I love that and I was a little proud of myself for calling that pick correctly so I was you know a little pat on the back there yeah so other than that uh any uh, so, so what are your big winners and losers of this draft okay I'm gonna give a Big shout out to the Sixers for drafting Tyrese Maxey. Second round, they drafted Isaiah Joe. Uh, they drafted they drafted another player who I'm blanking on, but it's what what I'm getting at is Paul they Reed. made who's it? Paul Reed. Paul Reed. Thank you. What I'm getting at though is they've made a bunch of good picks that have gave them guard depth for once in their life. I'm not talking like they have they've always had guards, but their guards play has been very iffy. I'm very happy about that. Do you want to talk about the trades? In a, we can talk about this Seth Curry, Josh Richardson trade momentarily. Another winner, I think, is the Nuggets. They got RJ Hampton. And you can talk about how good or how bad you think he is. But the Nuggets, I love the way they draft because they draft these players who in high school or before they came to college were just all hyped up. You had Michael Porter Jr. You had Bull Bull, who's you know, seven feet tall and can shoot. And R.J. Hampton's another good example of that. All three of those guys, whether it was Porter Jr. falling with injury, Bull Bull also with injury, R.J. Hampton just kind of going overseas and sort of getting lost in the shuffle to a degree with all the hype. I love that the, how they draft because they're taking these players who 
showed superstardom. There's name recognition behind, but at the end of the day, they may have fell under the radar and they're just going to take chances on them. If one of those pans out, they look like geniuses. And if they don't, well, so be it. There it's a late 20 pick and Michael Porter jr. Is starting to pan out already. Bull bull. We'll see on him. Jerry saw on him, but he's shown flashes of greatness and RJ Hampton, I think can be another one, especially for guard depth. Yeah, no, 100%. That, you know, that that part of the draft is where teams tend to be like, all right, we can take a risk here. But Nuggets are always like, we're going to take a risk, but we're going to take a calculated risk. We're going to pick the guy that's supposed to be the best, regardless of where he's from, or we're, we're going to run with it. I love it. I, I am also a huge fan of that strategy. So, yeah, now, big shout out to the Nuggets there. Going off of that, my I don't know if you won or lost, but you did a lot goes to the Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> Sam Presti is now hoarding picks. Like, he's got a problem. The man goes and buys a pick from the Rockets and then proceeds to <laughs> – he gets Ricky Rubio in a trade and then sends him right back to Minnesota for, like, a pick. <laughs> Man's there, wheeling there is, and dealing. In, a, in 2023, we are going to be seeing just two teams in the NBA draft, the Pelicans and the Thunder. Uh, we'll get to that in a, l- <laughs> in a little bit as the Thunder just keep acquiring assets. But um, the day of the draft – before the draft, you know, any of the picks had been selected. There was a stat that I saw. The Oklahoma City Thunder from now until 2026 had 17 first round draft picks and through 2027, 27 total draft picks. And that was before all of the signing and tradings and, and buying of draft picks all, before all of that. So the Thunder are ready to take an entire draft class. I'm confident it's happening. But with that, we're going to slide on out of the draft because we have, oh, do we have some free agency and trading news to get to? Yeah. Um, wow. Just going to take a quick second, take a little bit of this whiskey and get on that free agent tracking. We're going to start with a rumor that we had last uh, last week, which was Chris Paul on the outs of Oklahoma City. He is, in fact, uh, gone. He has been dealt to Phoenix, as we predicted, uh, to team up with Devin Booker. The trade was Rubio, uh, Kelly Oubre Jr., a couple other smaller pieces, and then a draft pick or two. Chris Paul will be slotting in, like I said, with Booker, Aiton. We just talked about how they drafted Jalen Smith. They made a couple other signings now. A, a young team mixed with the right veterans. Where do you see Phoenix ending up once the standings kind of start to, to take shape in the West? I think they'll definitely make the playoffs are extended this year. So they take the top 10 teams and have playing games for seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. I think they'll at least make that top 10. I, I always discount how much Chris Paul has in terms of impact. I think they're going to be probably like six or seven at best though. I think there are some other teams that are just going to be too much. Like they're a young team with the exception of Chris Paul and they'll do well as long as Booker doesn't just go into a slump. So the future's on the up for them, though. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I was going to say this one to the end, but this is really the only other big splash Phoenix has made in free agency. Just happened today. Jay Crowder signing a three-year, uh, I think it was somewhere around 29 to $30 million deal with Phoenix. Um, it was expected that Miami was not going to give him more than one guaranteed season as you know they're ramping up to go after Giannis next offseason. So he comes to Phoenix. He's more than likely going to slot in as the starting four. So that leaves you with this potential starting lineup of Paul Booker, Michael Bridges, a young defender, Jay Crowder, and DeAndre Ayton. I like that team. 
I could see them even being in the top five in the West, to be completely honest. You're missing Aaron Baines and you're missing Frank Kaminsky, which I don't uh, Aaron appreciate. Baines had his option declined. And, or excuse me. What? Frank Kaminsky had his option declined. Oh, okay. Aaron right. Baines is an unrestricted free agent who is expected to leave Phoenix. Well, he's going to get the bag, so He, he is getting a lot of attention from contending teams. Miami and Boston are two of those teams I keep hearing. Aaron Baines back to Boston would be weird. I wouldn't like him as much. I wouldn't like him as much, but I would respect it because I think that'd be a pretty good career move. Um, but we can get to the, the Aaron Baines tracking in a little while. Trust me, we're all over the Aaron Baines market. Aaron Baines. Don't you worry. We're still offering him three years, $65 million to come onto the show. But, you know, we'll get there when we get there. So moving out of Phoenix, uh, contenders in the West are going to be all over the place this year. Um, and you have to start at the top with the defending champion, Los Angeles Lakers, who have made three moves so far in free agency. And my God, have they been sensational moves. We're going to start with the, the lowest of the low one. That was just signing Wesley Matthews, expecting to be their 3 and D starting shooting guard, the replacement for Danny Green, who was traded to the Thunder. And we'll get to where he went after that for Dennis Schroeder. They traded their first round pick and Danny Green for Schroeder, who who knows if he's even going to be starting or coming off the bench at this point with LeBron running the helm. But Dennis Schroeder was the runner up for the sixth man of the year this year. And they got him for a draft pick. You oh know who boy. else signed with the Lakers, by the way? I wonder who else signed the with The recipient of the sixth man of the year, Montrez Harrell, shocked the L.A. Clippers. Stunner. Literally just walked to the other side of half court and said, I'm a Laker now. Two years, I think it was around 19 million. 19, yeah. Apparently, Nick Jokic is the reason he lost a lot of that money based off their uh, performances in that playoff series. But Harrell's a Laker. Uh, it's expected Davis resigns, so it would be Schroeder, Matthews, LeBron, Davis, Harrell. Is anyone stopping that? Uh, well, there's a team that made a few offseason acquisitions that I think matches up with them all very, very well. Want to get to the little second half of the trade with uh, Dennis Schroeder? You know, where did Danny Green go? Yeah. Nope. This we is got, a good time. So Danny Green got flipped in. Okay. So <laughs> Daryl Morey, as we mentioned earlier, was he stepped down from the Rockets. He then came over to Philadelphia, going to try and help Elton Brand. And in about five minutes, taught Elton Brand how to do his job. Yes. He immediately traded Al Horford and a first round pick for Danny Green from the Oklahoma city thunder. So Danny green now expected to be a starting two or three for Philadelphia. Great three and D guy. Who's won back-to-back championships, three total now. And then on draft day, they traded Josh Richardson in a first round pick for shooting guard, Seth Curry, who, as we all know, the brother of Steph Curry was actually in college projected to be the better shooter. So that's let you know how projections work, <laughs> but Seth well, Curry. Gonna hold up, in. hold up with that. All right. You've you've angered me already. Good. First and foremost, Seth Curry, while he wasn't drafted in the lottery like his brother, went to the G League, has a higher shooting percentage than his brother from three. I'm just letting you know that right now. We're going to move on from that. <laughs> Daryl Morey, for some unknown reason, operates like Sixers Twitter. And to me, it's <laughs> it's actually incredible where everyone's been like, dump Al Horford at the first – the first crack of dawn on sure. on the Moria meds. He's like, okay. Then he's like, I'm going to get Danny Green as a shooter who we've always wanted. And then we won last year. Couldn't get, they got him. They got Seth Curry. Who's always, we've been fiending over him for literal years. I would, you know, it's tough because I wish they didn't give up Josh Richardson because his contract's pretty nice. And he's, he's a good player to have, but I am okay with what they did for that. 
I think the Mavericks got a great player to be very useful for their team as well. So I think that trade benefits say, both sides. That just on that for a second, um, they're a team that's desperately needed defense out of the guard position. And that's exactly what Josh Richardson provides. They also drafted Josh Green, who was maybe the second or third best defensive guard in that draft class. So that's what they were looking for. But for the Sixers, uh, shooting was the biggest priority this offseason. You know, you, it was very evident when the Sixers couldn't really score from the outside against the Celtics in the playoffs. So you go out, you get Green, you get Curry. So now you got your backup guards, you got your backup forwards. There was one thing missing. And they, they, wow, they knocked the damn ball out of the park with this one, guys. So NBA champion, former three-time defensive player of the year, Dwight Howard, was expecting to come off this run with the Lakers, getting somewhere around $10 million over, you know, one to two years. And then the market shrank immediately. He, he came out and was, was saying that, or his camp at least, was saying that the market just closed on him. There was no interest. There was one team offering him a contract and everybody expected that to be the Lakers. Lo and behold, the Sixers were said team swooped in with the, the veterans minimum somewhere around 2.3, $2.6 million. And Dwight Howard will be the man backing up Joel Embiid. I will say this though, as awesome as that does sound the last time the Sixers tried to bring in a great backup for Joel Embiid was Al Horford. Age does come into play here, but how much, what, what's the difference in feeling here from last year getting Horford to this year getting Howard? As they, wanted, they wanted Horford to play power forward, and they tried True. that. And it just, it blew up in our faces because it was a solid defensive team, but the shooting, we couldn't get out of anything. And the spacing, I won't get into that. I'm, I'm done with Al Horford. <laughs> he's, he's gone. He's out of my memory. Dwight Howard, though, is... He plays the same way. Like, he's like Nerlens Noel, just Oliver, obviously. He's a very good defensive player, rim runner, doesn't do a whole – he plays in the paint very well. He's cheap, very cheap compared to Al Horford. Al Horford's running like $106 million. Horford was on a max deal. Yeah, and Dwight Howard is getting what's at most $3 million a year, and I don't think he's – The minimum amount he can be receiving. Yes. So – that to me is much better equity and I am so happy with it because they really did need power forward center depth. Kyle Quinn was not cutting it last year. Al Horford. Right. Yeah. It was useful. But we wanted him to be a starter. So I'm, I'm ecstatic with it. The Sixers for the most part got smaller, which is good. They still have their height. Don't be wrong, but they can actually do a lot more now. And then oh, yeah. te- teams like the Mavs, they got bigger. And before we go on, I want to shoot my conspiracy theory with you. So the Mavs, they're getting bigger. This is the best lineup. We're going to call it big men. So you have Luca running points. All right. So he's like, I don't know, six, seven, pretty, pretty tall dude. Tall dude. And then you have, like, he's, this, he's, this, he's small guy. And then you have Maxi Kleber, Kristaps Porzingis. You have Boban. And then you, four. you you trade, I don't know, you, you throw a pick to the Celtics and get Taco Fall, and then you run the elevator with, like, Taco Fall and just rip off threes. Tell me that isn't the best off. Like, I would I would watch every Mavericks game if they're running like I'm that. I'm going to be honest with you. There would be few things more tempting to watch than than Bobby running the open floor and hitting a half-court lob to Taco Fall. <laughs> I, I, I would really love it. 
I'm oh, that'd be, that'd be amazing. I'm all for it. Uh, any Mavericks personnel listening, get on this. This is the way to the championship. Hand the ball off to your taller player until he can dunk it. Love it. For next year, I got to say, as long as Porzingis is healthy, which I do not think he's going to be, I think he's going to miss some significant time. But if he can come back in time for the playoffs and Luka doesn't just take a massive regression, which I also do not think he will, that's a, Dallas's scary team. The Sixers are now a much scarier team. And then I think the other really scary team is going to be the Nuggets. Obviously, the Lakers are in that mix, the Bucks, the Heat. But in terms of really bolstering themselves up for this offseason, those three teams have done a great job thus far. I have to completely agree with you on that one. Yeah, we're going to see how all of this starts to pan out shortly. But Dallas, as we knew, needed defense. And that's pretty much all they've acquired so far. So they're on the right track. I did just see actually a little bit ago that uh, Tim Hardaway opted into his $19 million one extra year of his contract. Pretty obvious, you know, you take the $19 million there. But other than that, they've only gotten defensive players back. So imagine Boban locking up Steph Curry. Could you imagine that? I'm going to let you know right now 2K lets it happen. I believe it. We're going to move on before I go on too large of a rant about how bad 2K is as a game system. So we're going to move on. So there was um, a massive, massive deal that keeps getting bigger. Uh, So obviously the Bucks had to make some kind of offseason move to keep Giannis. Like that's what they have to do. Their main concern now is making sure Giannis stays in Milwaukee long term. They made a deal that has now expanded to three teams and might even expand to a fourth team. Uh, The general premise of the deal was the Pelicans sending defensive shooting guard Drew Holiday to the Bucks, more likely to start at point guard. But that was the main crux of the deal. The added in piece was that uh, was the Oklahoma City Thunder. Steven Adams would be going from the Thunder to the Pelicans. And instead of Eric Bledsoe and George Hill both going to the Pelicans, now George Hill, along with Darius Miller, will go to the Thunder. And Eric Bledsoe will go to the Pelicans to team up with Lonzo Ball in the backcourt. That's the trade at the moment. It is still subject to change. Again, there's been a fourth team rumor to be in it. I've heard Cleveland. I think I've seen New York as a potential option. So we'll, we'll see. But at the moment, Drew Holiday is in Milwaukee. That part's confirmed. Steven Adams to New Orleans is confirmed. Both those teams getting things they needed. Uh, the Pelicans getting t- uh, the big center. The Bucks getting the extra star for Giannis and uh, Middleton. And then the Thunder, of course, keep acquiring their their assets, their draft picks. That's all they want out of these trades. That's all they want anymore. They don't want actual players. They just want the draft picks. And I love it. So as that trade continues to progress, we will let you know, obviously, at, uh, if any more gets added to it. But Drew Holiday to the Bucks. My only question is, is it enough? No. It's not enough. That? Drew, okay, Drew Holiday is – how old is Drew Holiday? He's in his 30s, isn't he? Somewhere around 30. Young 30s, yeah. Maybe like 31. Yeah. He's, get, he's getting older. Like he's definitely a very useful player, but he's definitely – he's starting to regress. I, I'm torn because he's better than Eric Bledsoe. Yes. And, and we'd all tend to agree with that. Like if Eric Bledsoe was playing what he was in Phoenix, like the Bucks would be a much better team. So I think it's worthwhile. I think what's going to happen, though, is the Bucks are just going to run into a roadblock, and it's going to be just disastrous. Because if Giannis goes down again, I don't think Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday can bail them out altogether. I think that's a very good them point. as a three, like a tandem, 
sure, that works. But I, I don't yeah, think I, without Giannis, it doesn't work. I think overall they got better. I think that's pretty clear. Holiday's a great player. I, I love his defense. But my question has always – I don't even know if Miami is the best team in the East anymore with Durant and Kyrie healthy. Um, so my question is, did they get definitively better than the Heat? And I don't even know if they're remotely better than the Heat yet. I don't think they made the moves quite yet to get better than Miami. Now that's the opinion of a biased Heat fan. So let's go to the other moves Milwaukee made really quick. There was that big trade with Bogdanovich that fell through. There was a move that was going to send Bogdanovich in a sign-in trade from the Kings to the Bucks. He declined to sign. He wanted to test the open market. The trade fell through. Milwaukee wasn't giving up too terribly much. DiVincenzo was the biggest asset they were giving up in that deal. So instead of that, they ended up signing Bobby Portis to a two-year deal and DJ Augustine, the uh, you know savvy point guard out of Orlando, to a three-year $21 million deal. So now they've started to bolster their bench a little bit. They don't have Marvin Williams anymore. They're still trying to move Ilyasova. What piece would they need at this point to be the top contender in the East, or at least like the clear favorite in the East? They need that third star. I just don't think Drew Holiday is it. Like he's he's Drew Holiday is about as close to a third star as you can get, but I don't think he cuts it for them. And that's my issue. Where I just think at this point you gave up a good amount of equity for Drew Holiday. I don't think you're going to make any more deals. You sort of just have to cultivate talent. Like maybe Connaughton takes a step forward and maybe he's super useful, but who knows? And that that's just kind of the, it's, it's a lottery at this point. Like we really don't know. Yeah. The other I, issue that I forgot to mention was they traded three picks in that draft in that trade, three yeah, first round picks. Haul. And two pick swaps in that deal. And and they're, the team they're trading to gets the better end of the pick swaps. So you're giving up so much and banking on Drew Holiday being the thing that takes you that next step forward. And as you're saying, we don't believe that's enough. So I don't really know what they can do anymore at this point, specifically speaking on just cap space. But they, they need forwards other than Giannis I mean they got Portis but Bobby Portis doesn't really make you a better team I think they need athletic guys that can play defense that can run in transition they need more than just a supporting cast for Giannis they need guys that can do things on their own and they haven't really done that yet so I don't really know what to expect from Milwaukee for the rest of the offseason the only draft pick they had was Jordan Nora stretch four out of uh, Minnesota but I don't know. I, I could even see Milwaukee losing in the second round again, to be completely honest. I don't know about that. Like I, well, okay, yeah, obviously it's either second round or they're going all the way most likely, but it's going to come down who they're matched. I think they could take the heat on better this year. I'm not saying the heat got worse, but I think they'll just be ready to play them. And with honestly, with home court, it's going to be a little bit different. Like I, I know the bubble, the heat just decimated them, but there's a difference between home and a home crowd and no crowd. Sure. I think that'll help. I, I, I don't know. It's It's weird because I want to say the Sixers are going to be that team or the Nets, but I also think the Bucks style against the Nets would just kill them because it's so methodical and kind of slow and dishing out while the, I'm assuming the Nets are going to be running gun with Nash and D'Antoni there. You would assume so. So we'll, we'll see how Milwaukee does. Again, I wouldn't, as a Bucks fan, be necessarily upset, 
but it's one of those you just got to see what happens type deals. Again, we'll see what else they do for the rest of the offseason to add to that team. But moving on, because again, we still have oh so many things to do. Just want to quick touch upon a couple players that opted in. Evan Fournier opted into his deal with the Magic. DeMar DeRozan opted into his deal with the Spurs. That could potentially be some kind of sign and trade opt-in, but also the rumor was to the Lakers. And now with Harold and Schroeder, they have less cap space to work with, so maybe not. And then the other one was Andre Drummond, who opted into his like 28-something million dollar deal with the Cavaliers. That was more so because Drummond researched the market, realized nobody was going to pay him that much money. NBA general manager not, general managers are not willing to pay just straight up defensive and rebounding centers anymore. They don't see it as, as valuable. So Drummond's going to stay in Cleveland for one more year. Ricky Rubio, as we mentioned, was part of that trade with Chris Paul to Phoenix. He was sent to Oklahoma City. They then dealt him back to Minnesota. Brutal. Played for a few years ago. Um, you were saying earlier, we love Ricky Rubio, but we're not huge on the Timberwolves here. What 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 does that move do for Minnesota, though? I, I don't know. Probably nothing. <laughs> it's like a backup point guard. I like. I think it was like them trying to be nice and be like, "Hey, it's like we're Ricky Rubio, you're coming home," and he's like, "Shit." <laughs> That's fair. Uh, the other big asset that wasn't a pick moved in that Chris Paul trade was Kelly Oubre Jr. As we mentioned, went to the Thunder. He then almost immediately after landing in Oklahoma City, his names kept popping up in trades again. He then got sent to the Warriors for a 2021 protected first round pick, which is now where he will reside. And he and Wiggins will take over the two and three duties with Clay Thompson now expected to miss yet another season. Unfortunately, with the torn Achilles, ruptured Achilles, whichever one, neither is good. But so Ubre now a warrior. Do you think he and Wiggins are going to fit well together? I don't like either of them playing the two. To be, I mean, I like Ubre playing the two more than Wiggins. Interesting. But I just well, because Wiggins can't really shoot. We've established that, right? Ubre mm-hmm. can at least kind of shoot. Like I like Ubre playing a forward more than a shooting guard, but he can at least shoot. I don't know. My gripe is. Clay Thompson is so valuable and I'm so distraught that he got hurt. Cause I was really looking forward to seeing, you know, revenge torque type clay. He's you know, missed an entire season, right? I don't know. They're missing that shooting guard piece. Like clay Thompson is so invaluable that, you know, it's, it sucks that he's out for the season. Cause I really think they would have made a push, but they did the best they could with what, you know, was available. Kelly Uber jr. Is going to be a good player for their team. Oh yeah. But they also have, What's his name? Eric Pascal. Oh yeah. All rookie he's, first team, he, he's pretty useful too. Like he really had a breakout rookie season and they have some guard depth too, but it's going to be a, it's going to be an iffy fit. I hope it works. I always do like the Warriors. It's one of the few teams I've saw in person. So we're, I'm, I'm big Warriors guy. I like, I like the tandem there and I, uh, I agree with everything you said, except for the Warriors have guard depth. Um, for those aware, the Warriors have zero backup guards right now. They have Kai I Bowman mean, from Boston College. Don't no, you no, no. See? They just waved Kai Bowman. Oh, that's a... <laughs> They waved Kai Bowman. So their only other guards on roster right now are Damian Lee and Jordan Poole, who I, I love me. I love your bobble. Jordan, I thank you. I got this straight from the Oracle. This is straight. straight out of Golden State, guys. Yeah, this is um for obviously you can't see it, but I have one of the things above my desk is a Clay Thompson bobblehead, and I got it. It was they're playing the Nuggets, and they're giving out was Clay Thompson bobblehead night, so I went early to get one of these. 
Anyone wants to buy it, I'll take a check for I don't know whatever Clay Thompson is getting paid. Call it, call it even. <laughs> Drop the the contracts. They cut Kai Bowman. I'm distraught. <laughs> yeah, that one. The the Warriors probably going to try and sign some backup guards again. They they just have those two shooting guards. I don't believe Chasing Randall's on the team anymore. Maybe oh Michael Mulder. I guess they do technically still have. They signed him two years. I believe he played for North Carolina. Um, he's a he's a taller guard, but. You know, again, exactly your response is pretty much what it would be. They need some guard depth. But other than that, I like the acquisition of Ubre to team up with Wiggins. We'll see if they can play the two, but who knows? Golden State is now a much larger question mark than they were supposed to be this season. But I think most people with a healthy Steph Curry would still expect them to make the playoffs. Yeah. Okay, keep it moving down the list. There was a three-team deal, or at least a two-team deal, that expanded into a three-team deal between the Nets, the Clippers, and the Pistons. So basically what happened in the deal was... Landry Shamit went to Brooklyn to be the backup shooting guard for the Nets. Luke Kennard was sent from Detroit to the Clippers and the Clippers sent Rodney Magruder back to the Pistons and the 19th pick in the draft, which ended up being Sadiq Bay out of Villanova. So the trade was essentially Shamit to Brooklyn, Kennard to LA and Magruder and Bay to the Pistons. Not the biggest move, but again, like I talked about at the beginning, it's depth moves. It was, Filling out the roster, finding the guys that are important. Shamit, a, a, a three-point floor spacer for Brooklyn. Kennard kind of does the same thing, but then Sadiq Bey, he's a versatile 3-4 type. I think you had him going in your top 10 in your projections. Yeah, A very solid all-around player. I think the loser of this trade is the Clippers because they lost a pick and Shamit for Kennard, who I would argue is worse than Shamit. I would argue he's better than Shamit, marginally. Okay. I like Landry Shamit. I really do. The Clippers just were not using him like at all. Like I think Kennard can be a starter for them if they so choose to play that type of offense, like traditional type, like one through five. But yeah, you could argue they gave up too much to get Kennard. They gave up a pick and Shamit. Uh, but I kind of like it. I don't know. I'm intrigued. It's going to depend on Kennard plays. I think he's a little bit more expensive than Shamit, but I think the play like it's it's not much they're on rookie deals no yeah but i i'm kind of a fan of that i i don't know if it makes them significantly better i'd argue it wouldn't sure. but it's something well, it's a good shooting guard to start in place of lou williams who they like bringing off the bench so i do yeah. like it in that regard i also love shamit to brooklyn i'm i'm very high on Landry shamit i think he's a very good player i saw him rock the heat earlier in the season for like 30 points it was insane he has one of the fastest releases in the nba super quick so him backing up, uh, you know, Durant and, and Levert in Brooklyn could be a really good thing for them. And Detroit is getting a little bit younger. Magruder didn't really matter, but Sadiq Bey is, a, a, as we said, a nice versatile rookie for them to have. A lot of forwards in Detroit right now, and we're going to get to that later. I'm going to run through just a couple free agent moves here that weren't necessarily the biggest, but are definitely worth noting. Another Brooklyn player, another Brooklyn shooter, Joe Harris, signed a $45 million deal. We're actually not going to rattle for a second. We are going to talk about this one for a second. Joe Harris signed $47 million. Uh, the reason we want to bring this up is because there was essentially a precedent sent, uh, uh, set, excuse me, by Washington forward Davis Bertans getting five years, 80 million, essentially setting the precedent of what a shooter was going to be worth this offseason. So um, what were your thoughts on both the Bertans and the, the Joe Harris contracts? Well, the Harris for four years, 74, and then Bertans five year, 80. It, like you said, it's setting the precedent for shooters. They're, Bertans is definitely a starting caliber power forward. He can shoot real well. Joe Harris, 
I want to say he's he's going to be a role player. Like he'll start to a degree. I mean that the Nets are stacked, so it's kind of relevant. Mm-hmm. But they're both starting caliber players, so that has set the market for it, which is good. Both those guys got a very well deserved contract. Honestly, I'd, I'd even argue Bertans' contract was a little bit below what I would have. Like it's it's kind of cheap in my opinion. Five years, eighty is sixteen million a year. That's or no eighteen million years. No, sixteen. The math was correct today. Uh, it's it's a good deal for the Wizards. I'm sure Bertans is happy to be locked in for five years, that type of thing. So it's good that they kept their shooters, though. Shooters are going to be more and more valuable, which going back to we are talking about the Sixers, I'm very happy that they got two pretty established shooters in Seth Curry and Danny Green. Danny Green, you can mean them all you want, but there's a reason he's getting his money. Yes. I wanted We wanted to specifically bring this up because Alex and I were having a little conversation earlier about um, the Wizards after that signing, you know, the Wizards had a good draft with Denny at nine and other things. They had filled in their roster pretty well. Um, but I've been reading a lot on Washington, specifically John Wall. He's a player I like a lot. And so we, we were talking about how this team is kind of looking closer to a contender, maybe not like a championship run, but definitely a team that can make the playoffs. And then, and I recalled something that I was reading about John Wall and about Bradley Beal. They will never say it on on social media. They will never say it when asked in an interview. They will not talk about it outwardly, but they don't want to play together anymore. They appreciate everything that Washington has done for each of them individually. Washington has been very nice to both of them, very kind to their families and such, but there is no winning culture in Washington. John Wall is at the point in his career where he knows he's never going to get the money he was supposed to keep getting throughout the course of his career. So he just wants to be in a spot where he can showcase that he can still play. And Bradley Beal wants to win. He said it all year is he hates losing. He hates just the fact that the wizards are great offensively and bad defensively. I would expect wall to be the one moved more so than Beal if they were to move one. But the general understanding is that one of them won't be on the team by the end of this season. Yeah. I was having a conversation with my buddy last night. Cause we were talking about the wizards like he he's a huge Davis Bertans fan. Like he loves the idea of a big man that can shoot, and I I do too. I love that idea. But at least up until the sort of rumors that were going on about John Wall, which we'll get to in a sec, you had John Wall, Bradley Beal, our boy our boy Denny, Davis Bertans, and then Thomas Bryant at center. That is a very good starting lineup. You could argue not very good defensively, but offensively, they're going to put up points. And that team has a chance at making, I don't know, I'm not saying they'll get the number one seed in the East, but the, they could be a sleeper pick for maybe as high as a five seed in the East. But then I got a bomb dropped to me last night. Reports saying John Wall had been talked about being in trades. And he's like, I want out. And going off with Robbie just broke. That makes a lot of sense that Beal and Wall don't get along. I tend to imagine John Wall is a little bit like an asshole to play with. I tend to imagine it's kind of hard to mesh with him to a degree because he wants it to be his team. But with the injuries and everything else, I don't know if I'd want him to be like the leader. Yeah, it's tough when it's an outspoken guy like that who hasn't necessarily gotten to be on the court and prove his worth recently. It just kind of sounds like a dude yapping in your ear at a certain point. We'll see. There was talk of a Russell Westbrook, John Wall swap that kind of simmered down. And now there's no more, no more advancing talks in that uh, sense. It's likely that 
John Wall starts the season in Washington. It's likely that they both start the season in Washington. But from what I've been reading up on, if they get a good enough trade, they are going to probably pull the trigger on it, especially if it's for John Wall. They like be a little bit more. He's younger. Contract's a little friendlier. But that's the situation in Washington right now. They're almost out of roster spots. I think one or two left for the offseason. They might bring back Shabazz Napier as an extra guard. Who knows? But My man. My, my man. But that, that's where Washington's at, kind of in that middle ground. Um, so now I'm just going to run through a couple free agent signings. Uh, not the biggest, but definitely important to their team. So first, the Miami Heat retained both Goran Dragic and Myers Leonard. Uh, Leonard, two years, 20 million. Dragic, two years, 37 million. It's expected for Dragic the first year's 20, the second year's 17. Again, Miami ramping up for next season to try and sign Giannis potentially or Beal, whoever is available still. So they're trying to sign contracts that are going to make players happy this year and be a little team friendlier next year. And the other guy that Miami signed yesterday was Mo Harkless, one year, 3.8 million. He was offered much more money from other teams, said he declined to play for the Heat, who just won the Eastern Conference, and is going to test the market next year when there's a few more teams willing to spend a little more money for a defensive versatile forward. Miami does have a little bit more news coming up, but we're going to get to that as we get to today's updates. But the other signings I want to mention, Derek Favors uh, back to Utah to be the backup center. Rodney Hood, who declined his player option, ends up re-signing with Portland anyway. Also, Derek Jones Jr. comes in to add some forward depth. They're probably preparing to not have Carmelo Anthony anymore. I don't remember if I mentioned this at the top or not, but the Blazers also acquired Robert Covington for Trevor Ariza and what was the 16th pick in the draft and also acquired Ennis Cantor in a sign and trade with Boston. So they have bolstered their roster with the loss of Hassan Whiteside, uh, moved on from Trevor Ariza. He wasn't really what they were doing. And again, preparing to not have Melo on roster. Those are just some of the quick run through. Also Alec Burks, to the Knicks, Robin Lopez to the Wizards, just some quick ones to mention, you know, key role players signing with some teams that is important. Uh, but now to get back onto the top stories, to, to Sacramento, we're going to go. We talked about how they drafted Tyrese Halliburton to be their backup point guard, one of the steals of the draft. Their starting point guard, Darren Fox, a cornerstone of their rebuild, has just signed a five-year max extension worth approximately $136 million to stay in Sacramento. He is now the face of the organization. What would, in your opinion, would be the best type of player to pair with Darren Fox? Mm, that's They have the pieces, which is kind of why I'm – thinking about this for a sec like buddy healed if he stays there is a good piece to have i mean i'm assuming bogdanovich is gonna leave that's kind of been the theme with all oh, Bogdanovich is still on roster he signed like a four-year deal last offseason the the king's guy he's, he's oh i'm thinking the other bogdanovich sorry the no, next no, no 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 oh, my bad <laughs> it's all good yeah no he's i mean he's testing the waters but you have buddy healed who's still a good shooter bagley i'm gonna assume is gonna be at least a decent center you kind of just need a small forward who's like like a Tyreek Evans who's not getting in trouble every year that type of player (laughs) you just you really need it's good good quality small forward but Darren Fox is super athletic super gifted super fast and a really good point guard so I have no problem with them giving him a rookie max extension I think that's a smart move like I was saying before, Hal Burton, I don't know if it makes sense with the rest of the team in terms of what they have, but it's was the right pick, especially at the time. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, but they're locked up in their guards now. Not something they're going to necessarily have to worry about moving forward. Two really young, really talented guards now comprise their point guard depth. So the Kings looking now to just try and get back to the playoffs. That's the big thing for them. Uh, the next team I want to talk about who's also in the hunt to try and make it back to the postseason would be Atlanta. Atlanta is a team that I hate. I do not like the Hawks, but they have done spectacular so far uh, since the draft. I, as I mentioned already at the top of the show, Onyeka Okongwu, I think, was the best draft pick in the entire draft by Atlanta. But they also made two splashes in free agency these last few days. Danilo Gallinari, I don't remember if it was two or three years, $65 three. million dollar deal to come yeah, to yeah. Atlanta. He might be the three. He might be the backup four with Collins. Not quite sure yet, but he's there. And then Chris Dunn. Time out. You thought the Hawks gave Danilo Gallinari upwards of $30 million a year. <laughs> Come on. I wasn't really thinking about it. I was just shooting out numbers. That's it's on simple. Me. Two years, $65 million. I would be so ready to jump out a window if I was a Hawks fan. I don't care how good Gallinari is. You're not <laughs> giving him 30 mil a year. That does sound like a Hawks move, at least in my head. Though. That's probably true too, though. Um, but okay, so three years, $65 million is, is a much better contract for much, Danilo. Much better. He's there for forward depth, whether in the starting lineup or off the bench. Great shooter, wants to try and win. And then Chris Dunn, like I mentioned, two years, 10, 11 million, something along those lines. Um, you know, and I have your offensive specialist, Trey Young. You have your defensive specialist, Chris Dunn. Hopefully you can just figure out a way to merge two human beings into one, and then you have your superstar point guard. But until that point, you can run those two point guard sets and it won't necessarily affect you too bad because one does one thing really well. One does the other thing really well. Those I think are two incredibly key signings to them. They lost Teague in the off season, but that was pretty much it. Now, now it's just filling in the, in, in the pieces and then it's getting better. You know, Trey young is, as I've always loved to mention, one of the most defensively inefficient players of all time, things like that. And he just started to change. Chris Dunn needs to try and get Trey young more, you know, initialized into the defense, trying a little bit harder, working a little bit harder Collins and Gallinari need to work together to extend Collins out to, to the three-point line. Stuff like that that would just make the Hawks that little bit better because the East isn't very hard to crack into, at least not at the bottom. Definitely not. It's, it's going to be six, about six or seven deep this year, but that eight seed's still wide open. So if making the playoffs is the, is the goal here, the Hawks are on that path, I think. So we're a little over halfway through the news uh, of free agency so far. And I wanted to take this time to just take a pause. And as some of us know, there's always a player that just kind of gets – looped around in trades during an offseason. Uh, it's, it's been Bino Udrich. It's, it's been just this one guy who either his contract fits certain teams or, you know, he's a, an older vet that gets traded to a bad team and he wants to go to a contender and they're willing to respect that, stuff like that. And this year, it's uh, former NBA champion Trevor Ariza. Trevor Ariza won a championship way back when with the Lakers, um, and he has now been on four different teams this week most recently landing on Oklahoma city, or I've heard they're going, if they can't trade him, they're going to waive him so he can sign with somebody else. I just think it's fun to bring up that player. I have his, I've tracked his progression over the past week. He was, he, he went from being on the blazers on Sunday to the rockets on Monday to the pistons on Wednesday. And now on Saturdays on the thunder. The German. The man bought four different houses in the span of a week. No, I'm kidding. I hope he didn't do that. <laughs> I was about to say, hopefully he's just renting apartments. Um, so. Yeah, we'll see where Trevor Ariza lands up. You know, a good defensive player. He's older, not exceedingly useful as Portland found out, but a presence and, like I said, a solid defender. So he'll probably find his way onto a, a contending team is towards the end of the bench spot. 
Oh, wow. So, so much news still. Malik Beasley signs four years, 60 million to stay in Minnesota. They acquired him at the deadline from Denver. Uh, my theory on this one was that he's just going to kind of come in and kind of push Anthony Edwards to be a little bit better. You know, Billy Beasley's this guy that's fought for a lot his whole career uh, and just fighting for that starting spot that he gained, you know, when he got traded, he's not going to want to relinquish that too quickly. So hopefully that pushes Edwards to try a little bit harder, which has been one of the big knocks on him is his, you know, mindset about basketball. So I think it's a good signing the money. It's a lot, but he's a good young player. We'll see how that turns out. I uh, already mentioned the Bucks making their moves, trying to bolster Christian Wood, another athlete that you and I had both talked about in previous shows. He goes to Absolutely. Houston. Houston's in this weird spot right now. A lot of players on their team want out. They already traded Covington. Austin Rivers already uh, declined his team option, his player option. What? What? So Christian Wood, we assume, would probably sl- slot in as the starting center. What other moves would you expect Houston to try and make before the season starts then at this point? I think besides, Russ is, yeah, besides Harden, sorry. Well, I think Russ is going to get out, and that that's going to, depending on where he goes, that's going to give you some sort of assets back. Um, I think they're going to try and adopt a more modern, and I don't mean like just ripping off threes like they used to do, like a more traditional type of offense. So I think they're going to get some forwards and people who aren't just like three savvy shooters. I mean, maybe they don't, maybe they still continue with their normal offense, but I really think they're going to have to invest in some power forwards and just kind of have Harden, if he stays, be the spotlight and him be the only guy who's really shooting. Yeah. I will say I've been seeing that the trade market for Russell Westbrook is next to nothing. Um, Teams are not willing to give up first round picks for Russell Westbrook. They're ideally just trying to get rid of contracts for Russell Westbrook as they kind of know that he's undesirable. He and Harden don't want to play together anymore. And Russell Westbrook wants to be the guy, but it's tough to be committed to a 30 year old bad attitude, Russell Westbrook as your guy, especially when the team's trading would be a team trying to rebuild right now. You know, I've heard the Hornets thrown out, but the Hornets is like, do you really want to trade your your probably top 10 draft picks for the next couple of years for a guy who might get you to the playoffs? Yeah, but that's very Hornets-esque. Like, that sounds that is like true. what they would... That is true, but, you know, we'll see with Russell Westbrook. Him and Oladipo are those two that have just unfortunately kind of struggled with their trade market value at this point. But Houston adding Wood, it's a real center. It's a start. It's, it's a, an attempt to reboot. So we'll see how it works out for them. Um, another big man contract, Marcus Morris decided to stay in LA four years. Was it 65 million? We decided to establish. Yep. So we had talked about right after the, the bubble ended, or at least how they were kicked out of the bubble, that the Knicks, it was kind of like, eh, we don't know if we want to stay together or not. Um, but Marcus Morris has bought in. So what other, so what would be the biggest thing that this Clippers team could add now, especially after losing Harold, but getting Morris back? They need forward depth. I mean, Marcus Morris, good small forward, especially either, especially off the bench with PG and Kawhi. But they, they need some sort of center or power forward. Zubak isn't going to cut it. Montrez Harrell was useful, but he's gone. Like, you have Lou Will, you have Paul George, you have Kawhi. And as long as they're not playing like scrubs, they're going to – like, that's a, a great, solid team. Let you know, me, I uh, talked – Let me throw a little – little thought nugget to you real quick you say a center sure best center available outside of maybe Serge Ibaka Hassan Whiteside 
how would you feel about Whiteside in LA with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? Oh, that sounds toxic though. (laughs) That sounds incredibly toxic. It's not a bad signing though. He does what I like. He's what I envisioned a center that they need. Uh, What's the market on Whiteside though? Like I imagine, is he going to get a big contract? All over the place. I've heard anywhere from 16 to 28. If he's on the low end, I think that's worthwhile for the Clippers. If he wants 28, tell him to kick rocks and leave. That's that's when the Hornets come back into play. That's yeah, 100%. But 16, yeah, I'd have no problem with that. I, or even even up to 20. Why not? I agree. I you know, I saw a lot of white side when he was on the Heat. It's it's interesting. He's one of those players that is a defensive player, but the team is usually less defensively efficient when he's on the court just because he can only guard the paint. But he's extremely great at rebounding shot blocking the things he does well he does incredibly it's just the things he does poorly he's almost useless at like shooting the basketball spreading the floor guarding the perimeter i think it'd be a fun signing like you say the toxicity i'm a huge fan of that shit i am i am a uh oh what's the what's the term um agent of chaos uh yeah i am here for all of that shit to just blow up in everybody's face i'm still i'm waiting for it's gonna happen to the nets i'm just waiting for it Especially if Harden ends up in Brooklyn. Oh, we no, would obviously no, keep you covered no. there. Better yet, if Kyrie gets traded in that trade as well, and him and Russ team up for some unknown reason, that's oh, pure be, toxic. That would be the highlight of the year before anybody stepped on the court. Oh, my God. That'd be great. Okay, we're winding down here. Uh, so the, the last theory, I think, that we have left here. So Jeremy Grant. After his sensational performance in the bubble, everybody kind of knew he was going to get a big contract, and he did. Three years, $60 million, well-deserved. Uh, but he, he was offered that contract with Denver to stay. He said no and decided to pick Detroit. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up in this, in this way is because center Mason Plumley of the Nuggets also signed a contract with Brooklyn – or uh, Detroit, excuse me. Now, those two contracts that those two players just signed – almost exactly matches the individual contract of one Blake Griffin. The theory is that they didn't actually sign these contracts in Detroit. They have signed them with Denver and that it could be some kind of sign and trade for Blake Griffin. The reason I'm calling this one a theory and not just straight up saying this is happening is because I saw the report once and have not heard much after that, but that is something that is in play would be a Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee type deal for uh, Griffin and you know maybe some second or, or first round draft picks get thrown in there but Denver no matter what is losing forward depth if they're able to get Blake is that enough to surpass the Lakers get to the finals yeah really I think so I just the Nuggets have such a deep team I think while the Lakers have made some really great acquisitions they have lost some of their already limited depth. They've put a lot of thought into like Montrose Harrell, Dennis Schroeder. They gave up other good role players for them, which is, you know, it's, they're making their team better by getting the best player, but they're losing out in that depth, which is never a good thing. The nuggets are deep. And I guess I would say what it would come down to is if the nuggets and Lakers met, the nuggets would have to have Murray and Jokic to have one of those sort of bubble-esque type playoff runs where they're still – they're playing maybe not like 40 a night like Murray was doing against the Jazz, but something like he's averaging at least 25, 30. Jokic is kind of doing the same thing. 
But Blake Griffin is one of those dudes who he, he wants to win. He's getting older. He has revitalized his career by being able to shoot now. I know we don't see a whole lot of him in Detroit because really no one watches Detroit games, but he can shoot the three a lot better than what he was doing in LA. Like he's not just a dunker anymore, which is you know, good on him for trying to make himself more useful and efficient in the modern NBA. So yeah. those three, plus you have Mason Plumlee's gone, Jeremy Grant's gone. Who else do you got? You got uh, oh, I'm gonna say I was about to say Michael Beasley, which I know is horribly <laughs> wrong. Oh, who do they have? Help me out here. Are we are we on Denver? I apologize. Is that who we're looking? Denver, for? Denver, Denver. Denver forward depth. They got Porter Jr. They got Keita Bates. Job. They. How did, just... how did I forget Michael Porter Jr.? I'm. 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 I'm Sorry. Right. Sorry. Right. I thought they drafted someone else. Either way, either way, they don't. The for, power forward is the only position they're lacking in any sense of the means is Paul Millsap on the move. I know Paul Millsap is an unrestricted free agent, not expected to resign with Denver and then Grant's gone. Yeah. I wouldn't really want them to resign Paul Millsap. He's kind of just, he's defense. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And (laughs) Paul Millsap was kind of the issue when they were playing the Western conference finals last year. Yeah. He did some stuff, but he was kind of a liability. He's a little slow. He's one of those guys who's just kind of aging. Yeah. My big thing with Blake is just what does he look like after this injury? I heard that the injury he, I forget what exactly what it was, but it was essentially being reported that his time in the sun was done. He's no longer going to be considered a star player because of this injury. Um, But he was getting older anyway. You know, he was one of those high flyers that you kind of expect to have a shorter career than most teams. So, but he's still a good player to have, you know, he's a great presence for younger guys. So I don't, I wouldn't mind that acquisition. The issue becomes if this trade doesn't go through and they got nothing for those two players, because then there is just a void at forward for them. Yeah. I mean, the contract for Blake Griffin kind of blows, but I think if you can get him back a hundred percent, do it. Exactly. All right. So now we are finally to today's news. Um, oh I don't know if we're going to have anything breaking towards the end here, but we already mentioned Jay Crowder uh, going to Phoenix on that three-year deal. So of the other three deals I'm going to mention, we're going to start with the smallest one. That was Avery Bradley to the Heat for two years. Uh, NBA champion with the Boston Celtics was technically also an NBA champion with the Lakers, but he was not in the bubble, opted out. I don't remember if it was an injury or personal reasons, but he did not play in the bubble. But a two-way defensive guard, he can shoot the ball a little bit. Like I said, excellent on the defensive side. Uh, Miami just adding depth here. Miami is not going to be making a major move as, as I've stated all podcast long, they're going to be in play for Giannis next, next off season. They are just trying to stay as competitive as possible. And, you know, with resigning Drogic, adding Harkless and, and Bradley, I think they've done that. Uh, I'm very happy with the heat's off season. Also with the addition of Achua in the draft as a heat fan feeling great. So the big one there was Bradley. Now the two big money contracts, we're going to start with Gordon Hayward. So Alex repping the Utah jazz Gordon Hayward. And that's pretty much what his contract is going to read like is jazz Gordon Hayward. But so Gordon Hayward earlier in the week opted out of his $34.2 million option with the Celtics. He first of all is done with Boston. He does not want to, did not want to play there. Does not want to play. There was, he declined that op was essentially going to decline that option almost no matter what. But as soon as he declined that option, I kept reading reports all over that the market for him was wide open. He was going to get a very lucrative offer. 
But the buzz around social media was who would decline 34 millions as a, as an injured former star. It's like, there's no way you get more money than that. And lo, lo and behold, four years, $120 million for Gordon Hayward to go to the Charlotte Hornets. Michael Jordan, after drafting Lamelo Ball, is trying to make moves to put the Hornets back on the map. He believes this is one of those moves. I don't know if I believe back on the map. Were they ever on the map? Well, yeah, I guess that's a fair point. They were like a footnote on the map. (laughs) They've been in the playoffs. That's uh, yes, they have made the playoffs before, (laughs) and they got decimated by the Heat. Yeah, yeah, the Hornets are struggling. You know that that year they had Al Jefferson when they played the Heat, and he was great, but. They got swept. He got hurt. It was never going to pan out for them anyway. Have not been back since. Um, Hayward, if he could get back to his Utah Jazz playing days, it's not a bad contract, genuinely. It's it's not. And like you said, it is legitimately trying to make them a contender now. If LaMelo Ball can be any bit of the star that people have hyped him up to be, add him with Gordon Hayward. You got Devontae Graham is kind of a breakout star. They have some pretty good pieces. Miles Bridges is another one. They could make some noise. I'm not like it's kind of the same thing where they're going to probably be at the lower end of the Eastern Conference. But like you said, that eight seed, pretty wide open right now. And right now, the Hornets are doing everything in their power to <laughs> to be maybe the ninth seed. In the they're East. they're really trying. They just want a participation medal. Um, they will be waving Nick Batum to make this contract Finally. possible. They will still it have to happens. pay Nick Batum his $27 million or at least whatever of it was guaranteed. But he is no longer there. The other rumor I've heard is that they're also a team that might go after Whiteside, but that was before this contract. They do still have a lot of money in play. Nobody's really on a major, major contract there. So it's possible. And then with the idea of, you know, if ball pans out to play, have a good rookie year, you got a, a solid Hayward off the injury, and you got Whiteside. It's possible in the Eastern Conference that that's a playoff team. Even without the 10, it's just that eight seed is always wide open in the East. It's possible. They're in the right direction. And for for Michael Jordan's Hornets right now, that's the most important thing is just trying to build the culture first. Build build from the ground up. Do not try and just sign the star and expect it to happen. That's what the Knicks do every year, and it never works. That's the type of team that would be like a – it would fall to the seven seed like the last game of the season and then lose to the 10 seed, though. Exactly. That's what I'm – that's what I'm That's feeling. That's also, though, the kind of team that would be like the nine, like the eight seed in the playoffs. And, and if it was 2K, they'd win the championship after sweeping the Lakers. It just be That's true, too. Sorry, I hate 2K, guys. The final contract, still four years, uh, $85 million for Fred Van Vliet, the point guard of the Toronto or, I guess, Tampa Bay Raptors now. Uh, he's coming back. I mentioned earlier with the draft, of Mal- uh, the draft choice of Malachi Flynn. I think those two players are going to work closely together. Um, but Van Vliet now back for the long haul. There was, you know, the idea that he could leave. Now it looks like Gasol and Ibaka are gone for sure. But Toronto just trying to maintain the pieces that won them that championship. Obviously no Kawhi anymore, but they're trying to, to keep that core together. Was Van Vliet the right one to keep? Yeah, homegrown star. Fans like him. He's that underdog type story. He deserved the money. I mean, his contract oh, yeah. when he got drafted was dirt cheap because he was out least a late first rounder i'm pretty sure there you go so shows you how much i remember about maybe the best undrafted player ever question mark um i'm sure i'm blanking on people right now i'll look into that maybe have that as a hot take for next week episode what uh did ron baker get drafted (laughs) 
we'll not bring that one up. Ron, poor Ron Baker, getting clothesline by AD and just. Uh, oh yeah. God, Ron Baker! Everyone's like, he's the next Kyle Korver. He's like, no, no, he just looks like the next. Kyle Who Korver? said Ron Baker's next Kyle Korver? He's like, it my was height. only only because he literally looked exactly like a young Kyle Korver. Yeah, he's blonde though. Kyle Korver was blondish. Oh, stop! <laughs> you don't know anything blondish about fashion brown, or whatever. hair. Hey, I was blonde at a certain point. Just, just gonna uh, throw that out there. You know what's funny? People I've been like, you know, occasionally seeing. They like haven't seen me in months. Go, wow, your hair is so dark now. I'm like, yeah, it gets blonde in the summer because of the sun. <laughs> they're like, no, it doesn't. I'm like, yes, it does. No one's <laughs> ever noticed. But now, because no one's seen me in forever, it's like, oh, okay, that makes maybe got a dark more hair. sense. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, no, we're all we're staying safe, staying inside here. No, no sunlight for us. <laughs> Fred Van. Oh Lee- wait, hold up, time out. Ben Wallace is an undrafted free agent. I'd like to make a claim that Ben Wallace. Okay. Tom Starks was an undrafted free agent. Okay, so so maybe not the best undrafted. TJ McConnell was an undrafted free agent. That's ah, okay, TJ is the best, guys. TJ, TJ McConnell. The TJ stands for Tiny Jesus. I'm telling you, it's the truth. It's not Timothy John. It's not Timothy John. <sighs> but as this is our last thing, Fred Van Fleet, Toronto, backup point guard, maybe starting shooting guard. Again, it's the shooting. He was such a big part of their championship team, especially with how incredibly hot he got from three you know like the day after his son got born incredible stuff well-deserved contract don't get me wrong yes very well deserved defensively a little inefficient but his offense does tend to make up for that more often than not it's toronto six feet tall exactly toronto said that was okay we like van fleet we're gonna keep him but again we're gonna have to stop saying toronto we're gonna we're gonna have to go tampa bay is they might be the second best team in florida at this point i think they've already surpassed the magic probably yeah (laughs) It's kind of a good okay. One. Anything breaking from Woj? Uh, Pat Connaughton had his deal restructured instead of a two year, eight million dollar contract, he gets three or 16 million. So, not bad, not bad. Connington did not play much in the playoffs, but he's young. I, I like Pat Connington, he, he's a jammer, he can shoot a little he's bit. He's a freak athlete, though. Oh, yeah, man can jump. Well, that looks like it. Not seeing anything from Woj at the moment. Just a lot of love for Fred Van Fleet getting that bag. So with that, that is the free agent and draft update that we have for you. There is a large chance we come to you with another episode this week with all of the rest of the world of sports. We just wanted to designate this one for basketball as we love it. And it is primetime basketball news. So I hope you guys appreciated this update. We are going to be updating you with every other um, not draft day, excuse me, free agent move trade uh, that leads up to the December 22nd start very soon. Players will be starting to report to camp in the next couple of days, actually, I believe NBA, not a long, a long off season. We, we don't get much time to take a break from the NBA. So we're get, designating a whole episode to it. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. We had a lot of fun tracking all this stuff, you know, turning on the Woj notifications on Twitter, all that fun stuff. Again, hope you guys had a fantastic week and we will be back whether later in this week or next week with another action-packed episode. Yeah, we really wanted to get you guys all of the updates because there was a lot happening in basketball this past week, a lot that Robbie and I were just struggling to keep track of, <laughs> but a ton of fun. We always love keeping track of the NBA. If you love our basketball content, well, then this is probably the greatest thing in the world for you. If you're more interested in our football stuff, that maybe our baseball have no fear. We are going to release an episode before Thanksgiving. 
We're going to give you our words. So if you're traveling for Thanksgiving or maybe you're with your in-laws and hopefully it's social distance and you're just sick and tired of them and you want to take a break, give our podcast a listen. It's worthwhile. And um, but yeah, no, we'll, we'll give you the recap of week 11. We'll give you some picks on Twitter coming up. But um, take care, guys. Have a very safe holiday and uh, make sure you eat plenty of food and uh, go, go, go Sixers, go Heat and go yeah, family. Good way, good way. All right. Yeah. Have a good one, guys. Take care.